Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Before we jump into things, if you have your Bible, which is again, if you've downloaded the app, there's a Bible in your app, easy to access. If you bring it with you, we're in John chapter five. We're going through a series up close and personal with Jesus. And so we're looking at his best friend wrote a huge letter and uh, giving kind of the highlights of who Jesus is with a a desire that we would know Jesus as he knew Jesus. And so that's what we're going through right now. And so John chapter five, as you're doing that, just want to highlight a few things as far as the season that we're in. It's great that it's sunny today. We missed everybody last week, but I think would we all agree it was good to be in bed, uh, sipping coffee, watching the sermon rather than being out in the rain. So I didn't get any, anybody disputing that or angry with that. So I think that was a good call. We'll be monitoring that throughout the season. Uh, just so you know, it looks like the whole winter, we're going to be an outdoor church. We have no other options, but that's okay. And so uh, just be uh, stay updated on our Facebook group and then on our website. And then also, if you have the app, we'll be sending notifications. Uh, and so if the weather just gets, you know, again, it could be just too cold, too rainy, things like that. Uh, we want to keep everybody healthy and safe, especially during this season. And so uh, just stay updated on that. Also, just so you know, be praying for the people that joined our Bible study. We have a four-week Bible study through Philippians, and it's a different format than our connection groups. And we had our first week last week. And those of you that signed up, uh, I think we would all agree it was a great night. We basically talked about the basics of how to study the Bible, and now we're going to go through Philippians. Be praying for them that God would just kind of begin to uh, have that desire grow in them. But it's a great group. We have, I think, like 18 people uh, that are in it. And so that's on Thursday nights. And so uh, that's what we're going to be doing uh, for the next four weeks. Then we'll take a break around Christmas and we'll start connection groups back up in January. During this season, though, it is a, a, a great time to take advantage. I know everyone kind of does it, but it's a, gr- a great time to take advantage of this season, right? The Christmas season and just the feelings that it brings. And then also the theme of it that we don't forget that Christmas celebrates Jesus, right? Christ. Mas, more Christ in Spanish, right? (laughs) Give me more, give me more Christ. And so uh, that God's gift to our world, that the greatest thing he gave us is not more money, is not, uh, you know, more things that he gave us the gift of a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And so uh, because of that, it's a great season for us to give. It reminds us to be givers as God has given us to us. So on our, uh, I think this week, what do you think, Andrew? Probably Monday or Tuesday, we'll get, everything ready to go? You're nodding, maybe? Okay. Um, So maybe Monday or Tuesday, uh, be checking the app or the website, but we're going to, oh shoot, I forgot the theme, what we're going to call it. What do we say? (laughs) Hold on a second. We're going to have a quick ministry team meeting right now. We're going to give it a name. (laughs) Christmas Acts. Christmas Acts of Kindness. That's our theme. Christmas Acts of Kindness. We're doing two things. One is we're going to participate in a ministry and a nonprofit that was started by Eric Martin, the life that we celebrated in his battle with melanoma, but not just um, uh, just that, but just also his faith and how he trusted God in, uh, in what he did. And so if you've been part of our church, we've been able to journey with uh, Eric and Shamika's here, and we're gonna continue his legacy of melanoma awareness, but also realizing that that's also a vehicle for Christians as far as just 
um, celebrating who God is. One of the great things that I was able to at his memorial service talk about is that um, Eric's greatest legacy is not going to just be melanoma, but his faith and just how he trusted God through it all. And so uh, we're going to have a walkathon to continue to raise money for melanoma awareness. And I'm personally thankful just as I got to know Eric, I started doing scans and got precancerous stuff done just because of his awareness. So he's helped my life. I know he's helped other people's lives. We want to continue that. And so uh, that is the date on that. I'm completely unprepared for this morning. Is it, is it the 6th of December? Is that accurate? All right. Sunday after church, we're going to do a walkathon. All the links to sign up, to donate, to give. We want to raise as much money as possible. Um, and then, uh, Shemika, is it like t-shirts that if they sign up, like we get t-shirts, so you get t-shirts and like that, but we're going to walk after church together, uh, just to do that. And so, um, support the family support, just what Eric started there. So we'll have information on that. And then the other thing we're going to do is we're going to not just bless other people, but we're going to bless people within our church. So what we're going to do is we have a, a few families. And you'll find out who they are, and they will probably find out who they are later. But we're going to bless them with a special Christmas. Some of us, we're around family and friends. Some of us, the finances are good. We're out buying gifts and things like that. And what the Bible is very clear is, listen, don't just love the world. Make sure you love one another. Love one another in a way that the world says, man, that church loves each other so well. So that's what we're going to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a gift card basket together. And we're going to then celebrate as we bless families within our church to make sure that their kids and them are just having a great Christmas as many of us are going to be having a great Christmas. So that's what we're going to be doing. And so all the information uh, as you're out shopping, things like that, put a little money aside to be able to, to bless other people uh, within the church and all the gift cards will be located on there. So that's kind of what we're doing. It's going to be a good season. We want to make sure everyone has a great time and enjoys it. Does that sound good? You guys don't seem too excited. You're like, really? We have to buy gift cards? Ugh. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm super stoked. So I think that's it. Does anybody else have anything they want to say? <laughs> Luckily, I did prepare for the sermon. Just so you know, I know you guys are worried. Like, did you prepare? Yes, I am. But the announcements, I was not. So it's great to see you guys. I missed last week. It was good to be in bed, but it's good to see you. So let me pray. And we're going to jump in. Jesus, um, I don't know why, but I just felt. This week, I was just so excited to be around Christians. And that's weird because normally, I mean, I like Christians, but I actually like being around people who aren't Christians. Like, I get super pumped about that um, because I believe that we have something that they want and need, whether they know it or not. But it's been great just being around people that, I mean, like the Bible says, just like want to read the Bible. Don't feel bad about it. They're super stoked. And that pumped me up. And then seeing faces here, like we want to be together. We're, we're hungry to know God and to follow God. And so, Jesus, I just pray that it's really encouraging for us this morning. I pray it makes sense. Um, and I pray we'd be expectant. That we're actually expecting to encounter you. And we're expecting to see fruits this weekend. We're expecting our life to change. We're expecting to live for eternity. We're expecting that you're going to have assignments for us. We're expecting that, Jesus, as you lived, you're going to live through us. And then we're going to impact other people that we're expecting it, God. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Hey, we're, we're uh, in John chapter five. And again, I just want to stop. I know I do this almost every week, but I just want to remind you that um, the why of wh what we're doing here, that uh, this is not a religious thing of like, oh, let's let's open a religious book and kind of feel good about ourselves and and kind of check that off. And all right. And then go on with our lives that uh, the Bible 
is this amazing historical document and the most important historical document that we have ever had or will ever have. Um, I'm reminded of this in my, my heart as far as for the world to know, just, you know, that the, the, the world is seeking something so significant. And I think we forget that They're, they are seeking it. We don't live in a world. It's like, oh, people don't care about God. They don't want to know about God. And even the political landscape, it's like, oh, you know, there's more atheists than ever. Or people don't care. That's that's a lie. It's a lie that Satan wants us to believe. So we don't have this passion to to interact and to share our faith with people or for them to see our lives. I was reminded of this as far as I was listening to um, a, a podcast. I've been getting this guy called, I think it's Lex Friedman or Friedman. He's an MIT professor and uh, he's getting really popular on podcasts and he, and he interviews all these people that are super smart. So I listen to it to make myself feel smart, even though I have no idea what they're saying. Like they're scientists talking, but I feel smart because I'm like, oh, I'm listening to a scientist. You know, I, they're saying words that I, I didn't know they were real words, right? And so, um, but he's interviewing this one guy that's big into AI, right? And so if you're aware of like technology right now, like, you know, um, just AI is just kind of huge and just uh, this, this whole field of, of uh, robotics and having uh, just software that kind of can tell what you're thinking, what you're doing and how to figure out human behavior. It's amazing. And what's interesting is he's talking to this guy and he goes, this is so important. This is software. Okay. This is numbers, computers, right? And he goes, this is so important. He goes, because this is what's going to save humanity. And my heart just broke. This is what's going to save humanity needs to be saved in robotics and AI software. His passion, he's showing up to work. And you look at a scientist at MIT, you probably think like he doesn't think about God. He doesn't think about people needing to be saved. Even someone not a Christian realizes humanity needs to be saved. And he's putting it in software and a robot. I wanted to, I wanted to yell at the computer, but I didn't because my family would be like, what's dad? Yeah, they look very weird, right? But I want to yell as far as my heart broke, like, bro, that's so empty. But even an MIT graduate, someone that makes a ton of money, that is brilliant, realizes that there's this humanity needs to be saved. We're messed up. And we have the real hope. It's not through a robot. It's through Jesus. And he reveals himself. And people need to know that there is hope and where you can find it. That's why John was written. John wrote it. Remember, he says in John 20, I wrote it so that you may believe and, and believe in life, your purpose in life, but believe in the afterlife, that we're not just living for the now. So that gives us hope. It gives us desire to dig in. Now, John chapter five, as we dig into this, just so you know, these really are highlights. Five chapters in, just so you know, it's one year of Jesus' life. We're only about 12 months in to his ministry. So from like 30 to 31 is, is all uh, encapsulated into five chapters. Do you realize that there's probably a lot more within one year, right, of Jesus' life that he could have written? Five chapters were already a year into his life. Hey, we get into chapter uh, 10, two years. And then the last like 10 chapters are uh, just the final months. So, so it really is just a snapshot of who Jesus is. It's the highlights. And here's the thing. If it's just the highlights, every word we read in John is super important. He, he took out all the fluff. He took out all the things that we don't need. He's saying, this is the most important thing. And that's where we get into John chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14. Here we go. John 5, 1 through 14. John really wants you to know the story. And so we're going to kind of peel that back. So it says... Uh, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem 
for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is Aramaic, is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had uh, been uh, an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he learned. Notice, Jesus on this amazing mission, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Like someone like that has a lot in their mind. Do you know anybody in life like they're a pretty important person? I know you're important, but I'm talking like a lot of responsibility. Maybe they own a company or maybe they, you know, they got a lot of things on their mind, right? They got kids and, and, and they're married and they got business and they got all these things. They got, they got a lot of things they're thinking about or like a, a CEO or CEO of a, of a large company. They're, they're thinking about the big things for that. Not thinking about the little things. Jesus got these big things. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's, he's the savior of the world. He knows he's got these big, important things. And notice he's learning about someone that, now when we read about this person, this is important for those of you in the, in the, in the Bible study class. I talked about context and why it's important. And you want to slow down when you read the Bible. Why is everything written? And what's going on here? Because for us, someone that's maybe physically handicapped, like we kind of live in a society where we try to do a lot for them, right? We build ramps, right? Or we need to think of someone and, and how they're going to fit in as far as if they have a hearing disability or something like that, right? We have any of you teachers, right? If kids have any kind of learning disabilities, we try to get extra teachers or extra help. Like we have all these programs. Back then, if you had some kind of a disability, it, was, it means that you were judged by God. So if you had a disability, it's like, oh, you must have sin in your life or maybe your parents sinned. Or maybe it's bad karma. There was no programs for them. So they used to beg. Uh, family members would disassociate from them. That's why they're all hanging out. And so they were overlooked. Notice Jesus looks at the overlooked. Jesus cares about the individual. He wanted to know the story of someone that was handicapped that had no position, had no power. Like Jesus got bigger fish to fry, right? You got more important. And, and that tells us something about God. When you read the Bible, everything tells you something about God. What's going on with this guy? Why is he this way? And so Jesus saw him lying there, learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? <laughs> Rhetorical question. <laughs> Sir, he said, I have no one to help me to get into the pool where the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. His dignity had been smashed. You see, we think we live in a time like no other time, but even back then, people would push other people to get out of the way to get in. Don't you see that today? All you gotta do is drive, right? Try merging onto a freeway in Southern California where someone gasses it just to just happened to me, I'm getting on a freeway and not even a car. It was like a, a semi-truck. Like I all the people that should just chill, like, bro, you, like he, I could see him like gassing it just to get in front of me where it's like, we're all gonna end up in, what, what's going on here? It's human behavior. And even when someone who was, is, is crippled, someone with a disability, someone would try to get in front and because my healing is more important than your healing. 
And so those that society overlooks, that we overlook, those are the ones that God looks at. And notice how individual he is. I think so many times we think God creates the world and then he's thinking about wars and governments and this, and he's got big things that he's, and we forget, no, God looks at you. And he asks you this same question. Do you want to get well? Because the dangerous thing about not being handicapped is all of us can fake that we're well, but the greatest handicap is our soul and our mind, not a physical disability. In fact, I think God creates at times. He allows a child to be born with handicaps or, or again, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical, and we feel bad. And God says, no, they're there to teach you something. Because all of us can mask our disabilities. And the greatest one is our soul. We have a soul disability. And don't you see that, right? Even the most well-together person, and you find out that they're doing something that's just kooky or sinful, you're like, why? You see someone in a great marriage, and why would you go outside the marriage and cheat? There's no, re- there's, no, there's no reason. And that person looked like they had it all together. They had the job. They had the family. I just saw this as far as just, unfortunately, an article came of a pastor on the East Coast, very popular pastor, thousands and thousands of people. And I think it was legitimate. I think he had a desire for God, and then it just comes out that he cheated on his wife. No reason, beautiful family, beautiful ministry. Why? There's something in our soul. Even though spiritual looking person, even if you put a title of pastor there, there's something in all of our souls that's broken. And Jesus asks us today, do you want to get well? I think the saddest thing would have been in this story if, the per- if he looked at him and says, nah, I got the healing pool. I'm going to trust this, not you, Jesus. Can you imagine if he would have passed by Jesus? Now we know... Any of you that have read the Bible, we're going to go in the story that he doesn't do that. But how many of us do that? Where Jesus looks at us and says, do you want to get well? No, 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 no. I'm just going to do more schooling. No, no, I'm going to focus on my career. No, no, no. I'm just going to build. I just need the money. I just need more money and then I'll, I'll be better. It could even be a good thing. No, no, no. I'm just going to do a little bit more counseling. No, I just need a little more drugs. And Jesus says, no, do you want me to help you to get better? Now, here's the thing. It's not that he didn't need to use the pool. Jesus said, you can still use the healing pool, but I'm going to help you to heal at a deeper level. Now, fortunately for this man, he, he didn't let Jesus pass by. And I encourage you, don't let Jesus pass by. If you've never given your life fully to Jesus, and you might be coming to this church for a while, but you've never entrusted yourself to Jesus to let him heal you, let him speak into your life, let him comfort you, I just encourage you, don't wait. Do that today. Well, Brian, how do I do that? You just take his hand. You just follow him. Decision in your heart that you let him speak into your life. When you take communion today, that you accept his forgiveness, that's where healing starts. I accept your forgiveness. He says his spirit then, he, his spirit is given to you, and then he'll guide you, and he'll heal you, and he'll strengthen you. So the story goes on where he says, yeah, I've been trying to get in, but everyone goes ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, well, get up. <laughs> Notice how matter of fact. This is what separates Jesus. Just, you know, if you read any ancient books on like, you know, people that are into sorcery or into like healing and magic and all that kind of stuff. Have you noticed when you read any of those books in, in, in history or philosophy or anything like that, there's always like these incantations or these big words, right? It's kind of like the Harry Potter. Like you have to have the right skadoodle skadaddle, but a bit of a battle. You like you do something and, and something happens, right? 
And, it, and it's almost like you got to say the right words. You got to have the right formula. And I love how just Jesus blows that away. It's like, now, remember, uh, right, a few weeks ago uh, where we were just talking where, um, or just last week, right, the Roman centurion or this, um, not the Roman centurion, but the, uh, the political leader who's like, hey, my son is sick. He says, go. They're, he's healed. He didn't say anything. He didn't do a dance. He didn't say, and do a wand or anything like that. He just said, get up, go. And it just shows the power of God. He doesn't need any extra words or anything. That power just flows from him. And I just love how he says, get up, dude. And look how easy it is. For Jesus to, to heal us physically, our circumstances, it's so easy for him. Get up, man. You're good. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. That had to be weird to see that, though, because you got to remember, he hasn't walked for the, I mean, he's got some skinny legs, right? I mean, some of us, if we're, you know, on the toilet too long, our legs start tingling, right? And then we can barely walk, right? That's just like, what, 10 or 15 minutes? I know that's a horrible illustration, but come on, let's get real. It's all, it's happened to everybody, right? You're like, you're wobbly. You're like, what the heck? I shouldn't have read that article, right? This guy hadn't walked in so long. That had to be weird. These little stick legs just going, but man, what an amazing feeling. Let's get into the story, right? Now, it says the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, uh, it's Sabbath, bro. <laughs> Look at their mindset. You can't heal on Sabbath. You broke the law. The law forbids you to carry the mat. Now, now when you read this, remember this. It wasn't God's law that forbids this. It was their law. This is what religious people do. Religious people, religion adds extra rules that God never intended. They add extra things. And it's like, is it really in the Bible? Well, we're just helping God out because God needs help in how to really do this well. So just so you know, if you're, when there's too many rules, you're into religion, not a relationship. Now, it's not that there aren't any laws. We're not on the other extreme where God's like, ah, he doesn't care what you do. You know, just kind of like, just show up to church and praise him and then go do your own thing. No, no, no. God has, but we add things. Parents, when you raise your kids, make sure you don't add things of what helping God out. Just give the basics to them. They don't need extra things because it turns into religion rather than a relationship. And that's what they had done. So when they say the law forbids you, it's their law, not God's law. But he replied, uh, the man who made me well said to pick up my mat and walk. What was I supposed to do? Like, I'm going to walk, bro. I haven't walked in 38 years. So they asked him, well, who is this fellow that told you to pick it up and walk? Well, the man who uh, was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Now, some of us might be asking, and you might notice this a few times when you read the Bible, it said that Jesus actually would heal people and tell them not to tell anyone. Have you guys read that before? You wonder, like, why is Jesus trying to be so secretive? Remember that Jesus is not just about doing the right thing, but doing it in the right time. And Jesus said, my time has not yet come. Remember when he did the, the miracle uh, at the wedding for his mom? He said, my time had not yet come. Jesus was very aware that it wasn't just about the right thing, but at the right time. It's kind of like with relationships. If you meet the right person at the wrong time, that's the wrong thing. And if you meet the wrong person, anytime it's the wrong thing, right? But timing is actually important. And so Jesus recognized that he wasn't ready to go to the cross and that if he got too popular, that's what was going to have the Jewish leaders want to take him to the cross. So that's why that was said. But check this out. So they're having this interaction. Look at how this ends. We're going to end on this. Later, Jesus found him at the temple. Jesus sought him out. He didn't seek Jesus out. Jesus sought him out because he had something more important to tell him. And look what he tells him. See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. 
is this guy just like, I'm getting some weird interactions with this guy. <laughs> like first he heals me. I don't know who he is. He slips away. Then he seeks me out. And to top this off, it's not like, you know, Hey, good job, dude. Or Hey, I'm really proud of you. Or like, keep it going. Or like, Hey, make sure you strengthen the ankles. You know, you're a little weak. He like, he, he just says, Hey, you're well, but stop sinning or something worse may happen. Something worse than what? There's something worse. Check this out. There's something worse than being disabled for 38 years. There's something worse. And what he's saying is this, there's the something worse is to be separated from God for eternity is worse than having a difficult life here. And what happens is we have difficult circumstances. We don't feel like God's a part of it or involved. And so we seek out other healing, other things, whether it's illegal things or legal things or people or whatever it is to heal what's wrong with our soul. Not thinking about that being disconnected from God has eternal consequences. But what we say is, but the momentary pleasures now are worth it, even if there's consequences later. And what Jesus is saying to him is, listen, don't celebrate that you're walking because if you walk now, but you're separated from God forever, this didn't work out. And what he's saying is this, the greatest miracle is always to give your life to God, not to have God do something for you. And I've talked about this before because right, John has a theme here. And the theme is this, don't get, don't get caught up in these miracles. There's eight miracles in John. He lists out eight miracles, but he's saying, the miracles are not what's the greatest thing. It's miracles that bring us to a relationship with Jesus that's the greater thing. The greatest thing that needs to get fixed is not our circumstances. It's our heart and soul. That's the greatest thing that needs to get fixed. And it's just a reminder for us because all of us maybe have certain things where we want to see God heal certain aspects of our life or we want to see certain circumstances, right, that we want to work out. It hasn't been going well for a few years certain relationships or finances or, you know, certain, whatever it could be. And we think the greatest thing is for God to do a miracle in that area. No, no, no. The greatest miracle is for your heart and soul to be changed in the midst of that. That's the greatest thing. As we think about this passage, a couple things I just want us to think, kind of reflect on in John chapter five. The first thing is that God is the God of insignificant individuals. He's an individualized God. What I want us to know today is, listen, he looks at the individuals in the crowds. So you are known. You are known by God, whether you feel unknown by others, where you feel overlooked by others, where you feel like um, I'm just insignificant in the society and billions and billions of people. God says, no, no, no. Each individual is, is significant to me. So you can come to me with your individual help, with your individual desires, and he hears, and he cares. And here's the cool thing is he inquired about the man. The man didn't inquire about him. He learned. Tell me about this man. Someone, how long has he been this way? This is the God that you can go to. This is the God that you can bear your heart. And I love this about Jesus. He's individual. He revealed himself, remember? few chapters earlier, revealed himself to the Samaritan woman, a woman that had no power, no privilege out there in the boonies in some small town. And again, Jesus goes to her. It's so important that this morning that we understand that what John wants you to understand about God is up close and personal is he personally cares about you, knows you, loves you, and wants to interact with you. And nothing is too insignificant for him. And that's where you find healing. 
because you can go to a counselor, you can go to your friends, you can, and those things can be good, but they're not enough if you don't primarily go to God. He's the one that has all the answers. He's the one that has all the miracles. He's the one that has everything that you need. Start there rather than with other things. Start with healing of your heart, your soul, and of your mind. He might change your circumstances. Remember, Jesus healed some people and other people he didn't. Because his greatest concern is your heart and soul. His greatest desire is your eternity, not how things are here. God doesn't mind you having a difficult light here if it brings you to him so that you have a great life for forever. The second thing I think is something for us to kind of just think about is also this, is that the man's primary concern was his legs. That was his primary concern. And he thought that that's what his victory was when God got him out of that. And I just want you to know that this morning, that's something for us to evaluate. What's our primary concern? And again, I keep going back to this because I see in our society, I'm blown away by the hysteria around the elections. I'm going to be very honest. I'm blown away. As Christians, like, first of all, that I'll just be very honest, that whoever wins, like, they're the savior of the world. Like, do we not know history? We've had all kinds of presidents, good and bad. And look where we are today. Look where the stock market is today. A hundred years, the stock market keeps going up. These men and women aren't in control. And I just got to stay this as a church to make sure we're very unified. And you know exactly where I stand. Now, am I informed? Absolutely. Do I have an opinion? Yeah. Did I vote? Absolutely. Very little emotion. Because politics doesn't save us. Jesus. And I never want someone on my social media which I never use anyway, or that knows me to think that I care more about politics than Jesus. That I think that that's what's most important than Jesus. This story helps us to realize that sometimes the things that we think are the biggest deals aren't the biggest deals to God, which doesn't mean that God needs to realign. That means we need to realign. My mom, I've shared a ton of stories because I love her. She's an amazing woman. Battled cancer two times, and uh, the second time, uh, cancer took her. But I had the privilege to walk with her the last month of, of her life. It was a privilege. And I've said this before. My mom showed me how to live. My mom showed me how to die. I have a very good vision of how to die. My mom showed me that, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. She also showed me how to live, um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And so I remember one time, and you know, it's any of you that have walked with someone that has health issues or you know they're gonna be passing away. Um, it creates weird conversations. You don't realize how many of our conversations are based off the future, right? Like we meet like, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, what trip are you gonna go on? This is what I'm doing for college. Oh, that's what I'm doing. You don't realize until you meet with someone that tomorrow doesn't matter. Like, hey mom, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, I'll be in bed and I might die. Like it, it, we'd have conversations like that. Now you're like, Brian, how can you talk to someone like that? We have a very weird, sarcastic family. So I'm sure my kids will talk to me that way on my days. You know, we're going to have our humor doesn't go in our family. And I, in fact, I remember one day that uh, my mom, she goes, how you doing? And uh, uh, I go, well, I'm better than you, mom. And so I, I, I walk in and I go, mom, your hair looks horrible. 
And she goes, well, uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm not concerned about my hair. I'm dying of cancer. <laughs> and I'm like, good point. <laughs> you know, those are the kind of interactions we had. I, I, I thought about that, though. Can you imagine if I would have kept going? Well, yeah, I know, Mom, but Mom, your hair looks, it looks bad. Like, why don't we color it? And then why don't I comb it? And, Mom, let, let, let's look a little bit more presentable. Like, does anybody realize how dumb of a conversation that is? <laughs> Right? In fact, some of you are like, like, Brian, this is awkward. Like, why would you even say that? I, I need to illustrate the point because some of us are so worried about our hair and God's like, forget your freaking hair, you're dying. You are so limited on this earth. This guy was stoked that he could walk. What he didn't realize is, listen, you got eternity. 50, 60, 70, 80 years here is nothing. Why are you worrying about things? Why are you worrying about the stock market? Or why are you worrying about this educational thing or this opportunity? Or, oh my God, who am I going to marry? Who am I going to do all those things? That's what the boss, God says, I take care of all those things. Your primary concern is the state of your heart and soul, which you haven't figured out. It's in jeopardy constantly. That's the biggest concern. That's why Jesus says, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. Does that passage make sense? We live life and I think God looks at it as far as like how it interacts with my mom. Like, why are you talking about hair? Oh my gosh, she's got white. It makes no sense. It's the cancer. I think today what we realize is we see up close and personal with Jesus is Jesus is always concerned with the biggest things in life. That's our soul and other people's soul in eternity. If we ever lose that, then we lose truly walking close with Jesus because that's the way he's walking. He's walking for eternity, not for the, the here and now and for things just to be a little bit better now. And that's what he's telling this guy. Listen, don't be super stoked that you can walk. Be super stoked that your sins are forgiven and repent because of it. Stay close to me because if you walk away, having your legs means nothing for eternity. It means nothing. Up close and personal with Jesus, you see his heart, you see his soul. And hopefully we see our hearts and soul in the midst of this too, and we can realign, making sure we're not worrying and, and, and putting stock in, the, in things that don't matter in life. And here's the thing I want to present to you. Some of you, you're like, Brian, I just want to be healed of certain things. God might heal you. This man had to wait 38 years though, so God might heal you in 38 minutes, 38 years. Or here's the other thing is what he told Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, and in your weakness, that's when God shines through. God shines through in your weakness. I want to end with this story. Is this was 20-some-odd years ago. We had a worship night at church. I love the worship nights. We had this worship night, and it was packed. The church is a huge church. There's probably about 500 people in the auditorium. And the first two rows... Nobody could sit there, and I didn't know why, and so we're all packing in, packing in, but they saved those first two rows for these people. As they walked in, um, you could tell there was some severe handicap going on as far as physical, everything. I mean, they're walking just the way they walked, and, and you could see it just even just how they talked. And, but they were walking, and they, they guided them in. They guided them into the first two rows. They gave them honor. You're going to sit right up front with worship. And here's what was interesting is I was going through a difficult time in my life. Uh, as difficult as can be for a 20, 21-year-old man, right? But I was going through a difficult time, and I didn't really feel like worshiping, but I showed up to the worship night. And they were singing the songs. Have you ever sang worship songs? And you're like, I'm not connecting with it. Like, I know the words are true, but my heart's not connecting with it. I know you guys haven't, but I have, all right? So my heart wasn't really connecting. 
And you know what drew me into worship was not the worship team hitting the perfect riffs, the perfect harmonies, the perfect that. They were hitting it all. And I was like, it's just not. I don't believe the words that I'm singing right now. I just don't believe it. I don't feel it. I don't see it in my life. You know what changed my heart? Is seeing about 10 to 15 people that had every reason in the world not to worship. They probably won't experience marriage, experience love in that intimate way. They probably won't experience some type of intellectual progression, maybe school and maybe all those things that we seek. They probably won't get esteem as far as people looking at them being just the way they look and all that kind of stuff being presentable. They probably will never experience that as they're clapping. And I'm going to be very descriptive for you. They're clapping. Sometimes they would miss. That's the coordination. They had spit literally drool spit. Like you could tell, but their whole bodies were just shaking as they would worship. And they're just and they were just, they were not on key at all. Not near being, you know, I know some of you have that handicap too, right? Not on key at all. They were loud. They were beautiful. And their joy reminded me of my sin. That moment where God was like, why? These problems that are keeping me from you, are you serious? You're missing out on everything that I have given you and you expect to never go through difficulty as a 20 year old. How dare you? There was such conviction that I, now I'm emotional and I'm thinking I'm going to cry and I don't want to cry in front of other people. But the next 30 minutes to whatever it was, I worship God as deeply as I ever worshiped before. And those people taught me in their weakness. I'm glad God didn't heal them for me because they reminded me of life's not about how you look how you sing, what society says about you. It's about how you worship God. And if they could be filled with joy, I could be filled with joy. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 